Good evening. I am so glad that you have joined us this evening. Our theme this week is our personal Pentecost. Tomorrow is Pentecost Sunday, so we'll be focusing on how this experience has manifested in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we lift you up and praise you for your holiness, your goodness to us, your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you have made the Holy Spirit available to us. Lord, let us receive everything that you have for us in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. The gift of the Holy Spirit is intensely personal. It's unique to every person. It's an experience between God and the individual. The Holy Spirit was first poured out on the day of Pentecost. And since that day, all who ask for it do receive. It's the Father's good pleasure to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. In Luke chapter 11, right after Jesus teaches on prayer, he tells the story of a man who is putting up with persistent knocking from another person. And finally, he answers just because of the persistent knocking. And we should be persistent in prayer as well. Verse 10 in Luke chapter 11 says, For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So we need to keep on asking. And verse 13 says in Luke 11, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We need to ask. And this experience is personal and unique. So this week we're going to celebrate Pentecost and our personal experiences of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to bear witness of this foundational element in our new birth, and we invite others to also ask for the Holy Spirit. So for me, my personal time of my personal Pentecost was in 1981. I was in a low point in my life, in a time of trouble for me. All I did was work. That was my life. That's not much life. I could see just little things falling apart here and there, not spending enough time with my husband or my daughter, not wanting them to interrupt my work. It was, it was a bad time. And then my father-in-law got sick and passed away. Um, and that story, it is in my messages from March 28th and April 14th. So you can go back and look at the backstory if you would like. But these troubles drew me to God by seeing God's hand at work in everyone around me. It was just uh, amazing how God drew me. John chapter 6 verse 44 says, For no one, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. I wanted what these people that I saw had. I was determined that I was going to find out about this experience and what had happened to them. So I started praying 
and going to church and studying my Bible. I saw in the scriptures that I could receive the Holy Spirit. And I read in the book of Acts about how this promise was for me. Uh, Acts 2.38 and 39 says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for this promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. This was a new concept to me. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. So my, my day, my own personal Pentecost was December 13th, 1981. I had decided in the morning that I wanted to be baptized at church that evening. And my husband was baptized that same night. And all day, I was thinking about all the truth in the Bible, what the scriptures said. And I could see that God had something for me. And I was just so excited. I wanted the Holy Spirit. And I wanted all that God had for me. So that night, after the church service, I, I went to the altar and I repented. I told God I wanted to go the other direction. I did not want my life to stay the same. And I just gave it to him. So the baptistry was in the basement, recessed down in the floor. This was December. It was really, really cold then. Uh, the temperature was in the single digits and in the teens. And there was no heater in this tank. But I was so ready. So when I got in the water, it was cold at first. The preacher actually wore fishing waders and he prayed and then baptized me in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. And he said, I shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I believed this. I saw it in the Bible. I wanted to try God out and see what happened. So. When I went down in the water, it felt like a heater had been turned on. I wasn't cold anymore. And the congregation was gathered around and praying, and that just felt so good. So I, I got out of the tank, and I remember feeling very light and very clean. It was a beautiful feeling. And as I stood there and prayed, just, I had my hands in front of me like this. And as I prayed, I began to speak words that I did not understand. I was just totally amazed. I knew I wasn't saying those words. I knew that God did it. God was there. And God had filled me with the Holy Spirit, just like he had on the day of Pentecost. So at the age of 31, my life completely changed. It was just a new beginning. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And that was just so true. My old life was gone, a new one had begun. 
and God has led me on from there. That was the start of my journey. Wasn't the end, it was just the beginning. But I am just so very thankful. God has been faithful to me throughout my 39 years of walking with him. And he truly is all that I need. He has shown this over and over and over in my life through trials, through good times, through many different things. So, if you've not experienced your own personal Pentecost, I invite you to ask God. And if you have received this experience, then please write or record the testimony of your receiving the Holy Spirit and submit to newarkupc.info. Good night. This is the story of my personal Pentecost. For some reason, many of my earliest memories, clearest early memories, are of things related to church. Sometime when I was three, four years old, I was chosen to speak at a vacation Bible school at the final night of it. And my part was that I was to memorize the 23rd Psalm and recite it. I remember that when I walked out to do my part, someone had to pick me up, one of the adults had to pick me up and stand me on a, a dining room table that they had put on stage so that I could be tall enough that people would see me. When I was about five years old, we had a revival of some sort at the church where we were going. I wanted to join the church at that time. I remember sitting out on the sidewalk in a folding chair while my parents and the pastor talked to me about the situation. I was so young and they talked me into not joining the church at that time. About a year later, my family had moved to another church in town as what might be called tent makers. We were going to help start a church. My mother was general Sunday school secretary there for that local church. And when I was six years old, I did walk down the aisle, shake hands with the preacher, and I joined the church. Because we were an oil field area of, the, of West Texas, sometimes some of the men would get caught out in the oil field and couldn't make it back into town on schedule. And that kind of a thing is the reason that I taught my first Sunday school class when I was nine years old. Our teacher didn't show up and I was the only one who had even cursorily studied the lesson. That happened occasionally. Then we moved again to the other side of town or a church on the other side of town. When I was in my early teens or late preteens, again, my mother became the church Sunday school secretary. And I was just part of the church until 
about the age of 13 or so, I felt a, a desire to teach. So I asked church if, uh, through my parents, if I could become a Sunday school teacher. Well, they weren't having many 13-year-old Sunday school teachers at that point. At that time, you could get a full-fledged driver's license in Texas at the age of 14. When I got my driver's license, I decided that I would change back to that original church that we had attended when I was four or five years old, something like that. And I went there and let them know that I was interested in becoming Sunday school teacher. I'd been there about a year and they assigned me as a Sunday school teacher again with a bunch of nine-year-old boys. I was one of about four teachers in that department. So I taught that class for three years, 15, and six, 15 16, 16, 17, 17, 18. And in the month of March, in my senior year of high school, I was away at a contest that uh, put several schools together in competition on various academic subjects, speaking, uh, math contests, plays, whatever uh, that they were doing in school. And on the way back, I found myself sitting by this uh, young lady. She was a junior, and she had won first place in her ready writing contest. It was my senior year, and I was making recordings of various things to commemorate and, and memorialize what was going on for that year. And uh, I read what she had written and asked her if she would read it into my tape recorder. She agreed to, and so a few days later I went out to her house and uh, met her family, and she read the writing, the what she had written into my tape recorder. And while we were sitting around visiting, uh, she invited me to church. Well, of course, I'm a Sunday school teacher, so I invited her to come to my church. Somehow she never did make it out to, to visit where I was going. So this was in March or early April of my senior year of high school. I went to her church on a Wednesday night. Her pastor was a woman which in the denomination that I had grown up in was very, very uh, unorthodox. In fact, the church where my parents were attending almost came to a church split when the pastor had appointed a woman as song leader. It was that strong a, a feeling against women being in leadership. So that kind of rocked me that uh, the, the preacher the pastor was a woman. The people, uh, many of them knelt down in the floor before service and began to pray, and they didn't just silently pray. They uh, were, some of them, very, very vocal and very loud with their praying. And I uh, kind of tried to make a 
deal with God. If you just get me out of here, I'll not come back again. If I can just be delivered from this. For some time, I, I thought that uh, that would be it. But something got, got to, to gnawing on me, to, to drawing me back in that direction. So I found that I would go to my church on Sunday morning, teach my Sunday school class. I would go to the church service that they had Sunday evening. And then instead of going to the training union, that was normally followed the evening service, I hopped in my car, drove across town, and I would be at the United Pentecostal Church in time to be there for their prayer meeting that they had before the Sunday evening service. I graduated in late May and almost immediately went to the University of Texas in Austin to begin my studies in what was supposed to be a five and a half year program for aerospace engineering. I was going to get that half year out of the way by taking some courses in summer school. When I got to Austin and I decided to go to a church there on campus or just off of campus. The first Sunday, the preacher preached on some things that because I had been going to a United Pentecostal Church and I had been learning some things about righteousness and separation from the world, uh, it, it was a very good sermon, I'm sure, for a lot of college students, but it didn't sit right with me. And so I wrote back to my hometown of Monahans, Texas, to Carolyn, the young lady that had invited me out in the first place, and asked her if there was a United Pentecostal Church in Austin. Before the weekend came, uh, I got her answer back in a snail mail letter. I guess it was a fast snail. And she gave me a list of about five churches with contact information and told me to uh, contact one of them, recommended that I get in touch with the First United Pentecostal Church there in Austin. And she told me, said, be sure that it's a United Pentecostal Church. Uh, and not just a Pentecostal church. She said, for you, it may not seem like there's any difference, but believe me, there are big differences. So I called up the number that I had, talked to the pastor. On Sunday morning, he came, knocked on my door. Are you the young man that wanted to ride to church? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And so I got in the car with him, an old green Buick. Uh, it was old even then. And he took me to, to his church. Uh, an interesting thing was that sometime later, I walked to church. It was only about two miles from the campus. 
And I found that the shortest route went right by a church of the denomination that I was part of, but he had taken me a different way to get me to his church uh, so that we wouldn't, I suppose, so that we wouldn't go by that particular church. They were friendly. They were uh, as about as noisy as the church in my hometown. But by now I was comfortable with it. And Brother Raymond Light, the pastor, would come and get me, uh, seemed like, for every service as long as I would go. And, of course, I, I made it a point because something was, was drawing me. Uh, you see, when I was eight years old at uh, the second church that we went to, they had a tent revival during the summertime, and during that revival, I felt a call, and, and I surrendered at eight to special service, which was the way that they talked about maybe a call to preach or missionary or some such. Uh, but you didn't have to define what it was, just that you were called to a special service. So I surrendered to a special service at the age of eight and then spent the next 10 years regretting it because I wanted to be involved with the space program. Uh, but something now, while I was at the University of Texas, was, was drawing me, was pulling me. And I began to feel worse and worse the more I stayed around that Pentecostal church. And I was confused. I had been taught that the days of miracles are over. And these people were teaching that God was still a healer, that he could still do miracles. There were a lot of things that were different in the teaching, and I, I was to the place where I, I just didn't know what to do. Until one day I decided I'm just going to set aside everything that I've been taught. I'm going to set aside everything that these people have been teaching me and I'm going to get my Bible and I'm going to start reading. Now there were two things that were really problematic for me. One of them was baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ rather than in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost the way I'd been baptized when I was six. The other one was this matter of receiving the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit with the evidence that God was in you, had come to live in you by you speaking in a language that you had never learned, what the King James Version calls speaking in tongues. Both of those things were, were a real bother to me. But when I began to just read and study my Bible, it seemed like that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and that's as far as I got before I experienced my own Pentecost. But every time I would run across the, the phrase in his name or in Jesus' name or by his name or any variant of that, it almost seemed like that the, the letters, the words rose up off the page and became in bold type to me. And so I... Uh, I came to accept that there was something particularly strong and specific about 
the name of Jesus. On the way to church one Sunday morning, late June, early July, the pastor uh, told me that, uh, well, as we went to church at one morning in late June, early July, out of the blue, for some unknown reason, I asked the pastor if they believed in communion. I had not even thought about communion, but it just came as a question. He answered me, of course they did, and explained a few things. It was all things that I knew, but then when I came back to church that night, he said, things have changed. We're going to be having a revival. And the revival was going to be taught by, or preached by uh, Brother Howard Smeltzer, who was from Odessa. I had met him while I was still living in Monahans. He came, he held that revival. I was, uh, I was touched, I was drawn, I was convicted that I needed to make a change. Uh, a little less than a week into it, I decided to go to the altar to repent, to get close to God, to get the Holy Ghost. To, if, if it was available, I still wasn't really sure. And so when I hit the altar and, and knelt there for that, that first time, I remember that my repentance started with the words, Lord, I'll tell them. Lord, I'll tell them. Lord, I'll tell them. And my 10 years of fighting my surrender to special service ended at the altar that night. I went back two or three times and prayed in succeeding nights. Then the finals came. I took my finals, made a trip back home and came back to town. The revival was still going on. I didn't know that they had called that revival specifically because I was showing signs of hunger. So I took out in the middle of the revival that was held for me. When I got back into town, that's the night that I walked to church for the first time. And they didn't know I was back and I just showed up. And that night when they gave the altar call, I came again, I knelt, I prayed, and after just a, a few minutes, I began to speak in a language that I had never learned. I had no idea what I was saying or for a large part what was going on. But I do know that God made such a difference in my life from that moment on. Uh, before a full year had passed, I had started to preach and I had become a part of the church. There were some, uh, some things that happened in the church. Some folks uh, decided to go in another direction. And before I had been in the church there a year, I was teaching the young people Sunday school class. It just seems like I keep winding up in that kind of a, a situation. The night after I received the Holy Ghost, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Somebody took 
moving pictures of it. I, I wish I had a, a copy of that because I've always wondered just exactly how much water I did splash out of that baptistry. In my excitement and in my praise for, for the Lord as I started to live for him. When I told my parents, they were not happy at all. Uh, they, had, they were fully invested in my being an engineer. When I told them, let them know that I was going to be preaching, they really weren't happy. You see, it's not all been been fun. It's not all been highs. There have been some lows and some some problems and difficulties and opposition through the years. But I wouldn't trade what I've got for anything in this world. I did see my mother receive the Holy Ghost. I wasn't there, but I I, I knew of it happening, and then I got to baptize her in Jesus' name. This is my personal Pentecost. I've now lived for God since 1963. That means it's 57 years that I've had the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the opportunity to, to preach for him 56 of those years. Now, I don't know what your situation is, but I would invite you somewhere, sometime, real soon, to experience your own personal Pentecost. You won't regret it. I'm going to share with you today my personal Pentecost. I received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues when I was six years old, about six and a half actually, I had wanted the Holy Ghost. I had learned about it in Sunday school and in preaching. I knew what it was. I knew that I needed it and I wanted it very badly. A few memories of this time, I was only six years old, so I don't have a lot of really good memories uh, meaning very sharp memories of this time. But I do remember going to the altar to pray. And usually my mother was on the piano, meaning she was playing the piano for altar service. But for some reason, one time she wasn't. And I was always a mama's girl. And I remember kneeling down beside her and I didn't know how to pray. I was a very young child. And I remember listening to her. I doubt she knew I was even listening to her, but I remember saying what she said and she was speaking loud enough that I could hear her and her prayers weren't terribly personal. Um, so, but it was a worshipful prayer. And I remember repeating the exact words that my mother says, I don't said, I don't even know if she knew up till just now that I had done that, but I learned how to pray by listening to my mother pray. And there's a big lesson in that that isn't the topic of tonight. But I wanted the Holy Ghost very badly. And I would go to the altar and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I thought it was just very difficult. And I wanted it so badly and I didn't know how to get it. I guess even at six, I was kind of a task-oriented person. I liked 
to get something to do and do it, but I didn't know how to do this. And then I remember getting the Holy Ghost, as I said, when I was six. I hadn't been baptized yet. I got baptized a week later, but I remember getting the Holy Ghost and thinking afterwards, wow, that wasn't hard at all. That was just so easy. What was so hard about it? Because receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is like receiving a gift. And it's not something that we have to work real hard at and check off items on our to-do list. It's about a relationship. It's about a submission to God and saying to him, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's about loving God, letting him love you. And that is the story of my personal Pentecost. I hope that you have your own personal Pentecost.